0: Welcome to the Star Weaver Podcast. Here we hope to bring you insights into technology, business, and your career. Thanks very much for everyone for joining us. So we got going a little late using the wrong streaming key. So I'm Paul Siegel. This is Kevin Cardwell. He is the guru. I am not. I'm a talking head, um, basically, but I've been in the tech world for about 30 years. So I think I qualify as someone who knows something about the tech. Business, at least from a business point of view, and Kevin knows it from a a technical point of view and many other ways. So we get going. I'm going to have a fairly uh, short, focused conversation here about the world of um, of uh, technology as it relates to cybersecurity. I'm going to log out of various other systems that somehow seem to be bothering me, Um, and um, so. What we do, Starweaver is pretty clear, we do training. We work with uh, individuals, companies, institutions, educational institutions, and others around the world. And uh, Kevin is uh, both one of the excellent uh, consultants and experts in cybersecurity and trainers that we have um, instructors that we work with. Uh, And uh, he'll tell you a little about himself, but um, with that, we'll get then right afterwards into what cybersecurity is all about, what are the roles in the field that can be some real exciting career moves for you.
1: Okay, thank you for that, Paul. So yeah, the main thing is my start in cybersecurity became after I got a bachelor's degree in computer science and I went to Hawaii with the Navy and they said you got a degree in computer science, which was true. And they're like, We want somebody to work with a project for space warfare, so the Space Warfare Command, Spay War, and we want them to give us internet access to US Navy ships at sea. So that was the project I got to work on with a civilian team. Took us six months. We had an East Coast team and a West Coast team. We won the race, I guess, if you will. We were all teamed up, but it's like our side finished first. And after six months, we prototyped it on the USS Fort McHenry. And we went to see USS Fort McHenry. 1993 had internet access over TCP/IP over satellite. Nobody ever done it. 1993. Uh, 1993. How many of us have heard of the internet by then? (laughs) Probably none of us. Yeah, and that's why we should have invested, but yeah, don't get me started on that. So the uh, Kitty Hawk Battle Group was the first entire battle group that we wired with the internet. The problem was the domain name, we made it the same as the name of the U.S. warship. That was not a good idea. Hmm. Hackers started seeing, because see, there was still a lot of hackers in the internet world in 93, but not much security. And they all started to see that that domain name, and with that domain name, they saw these US Navy warships and they knew they had these warships available. Mm-hmm. They started trying to hack us. Right. So, we had to start figuring out a quick way to assess the actual risk of a ship when we would connect it into a network operations security center because that's how we connected all the ships around the world. And this was wirelessly at that point, also. It so was, a only, satellite. Satellite. It was a satellite. So, not only were you
0: dealing with the local, obviously, presuming you had less security risks on the local right. ship, but then you right. had to deal with the world. Through a satellite, yeah, satellite. It's all
1: satellite communications, and it took us days to figure out how to do TCP/IP over satellite. That's a Mm -hmm. topic for another time. Mm -hmm. So when I finished that. And I went and created first of those NASCs, as we called them, that Network Operations Security Center. We built the first team in Europe that took care of all the ships in Norwegian Sea and North Atlantic Ocean. We provided all their internet services, but we had to know the risk when we plugged it in. So when we connected that ship, we had to have her done an assessment. So I led Mm -hmm. the red team for that. First, it was the Navy red team, and then it became the DOD red team for six more years before I retired in 2005. Mm -hmm. And once I retired in 2005, I just started freelance consulting now i have two companies that all we do is specialize in cybersecurity consulting training and yeah. i've created multiple security operation centers around the world digital forensics labs and search and all kinds of other stuff but that's enough about me they have the internet there's books there's courses there's all kinds of different yeah. things on me just search the internet about half of it's true some of us <laughs> on there will tell you that i work for people but i don't as i just told you well, i'm two. You've done superlative training with us, so I can tell
0: you with a lot of authority that customers, users, people learn well and they learn practical stuff, and it's cut right to the chase. So let me do that. Um, so let's talk about some of the different roles in cybersecurity, because it went from probably something fairly narrow in 1993 in the early 90s and thereafter, when I actually had some experience where I was able to look at one of my investment partners' portfolio online and he, his mouth dropped open, and he had no idea that, that was available because they were very, lim- they were very limited cybersecurity um, prevention uh, tools, I suppose, at the time. So talk, talk a little about various roles, whether it's application security and forensics and incident response and network security, a whole bunch of stuff, architecture. Where would you take someone through this, this roadmap? How do, you, how do you understand the roadmap as a person relatively new to cybersecurity?
1: Well, that's a good question, and before I do it, I want to add a little bit to that because one of the things is, and people don't realize, I've trained thousands, probably more than thousands, maybe ten thousands, when it comes to cybersecurity. Moreover, when it comes to doing assessments and stuff like that, the thing everybody has to realize is the process when we ran the DOD red team all the way back in 1999 when I led that red team, Mm -hmm. we use the same process today when I train people. Mm -hmm. The difference is the tools we have available Mm -hmm. and the targets. Right. So now where you're talking about, Paul, it's because all the targets. So everything's connected now. So since mm-hmm. it's connected now, it can be a target. Right. So like you're talking about, we didn't have that many different types of targets right. when we did But it's the process is the same. Right. But the critical role for all this is is building your foundation. So before we talk a little bit about the path, let me talk about sure. application security. Yep. It's huge because we write poor software. Remember I told you I had my bachelor's in computer science. Mm-hmm. I was a software engineer. My master's is software engineering because I got tired of chasing semicolons at 3 o'clock in the morning. Anybody who's who's been a C programmer, they know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The problem is when we wrote code, we wrote it to work. We didn't write it for somebody who intentionally has the hacker mindset and sits down and tries to break it. Right. And that's what everybody does today, and mm-hmm. this code gets more and more bloated. Perfect example, we had the big solar winds vulnerability that just hit, and now we had all these solar winds vulnerability. We had the security giant FireEye breached, Right. all these other types of people. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. You have susceptibility to the breach because you forget about the foundations and the fundamentals and the basics. So
0: that, at the, the core of it, we're talking about starting at the application level, level well,
1: when you that's build where the software.
0: That's on the software side, absolutely, Mm -hmm. right?
1: So the attacker can attack any layer. So the application security is another vector, but every vector has to be looked at when we do, let's say, let's use like we do with wellness, holistic. You use a holistic approach to security. Mm -hmm. So it's all layers of the OSI model. And so here I've been doing all this training for years and years and years, and that's why after 25 years of doing all the offense and the pen testing, I still do it. Don't get me wrong, but my books and my courses started concentrating on defense. Mm -hmm. If you put in the basic fundamentals of defense, you block the majority of the attacks. I won't go through all the attacks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's all about that. So as you look at application security, the problem is the code's too complex. Mm-hmm. It's too big. Mm-hmm. I always laugh and tell everybody Windows 2000, yeah, I mean, it's 20 years, 21 years now. When it came out, they, they bragged, Windows 2000, 50 million lines of code. That's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. The more code, the more susceptibility to bugs, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why application security has a huge market. But Mm -hmm. the problem with application security is you got to code. It's like I get my students when I teach for uh, Maryland or I teach for UCLA, and I tell them, you know, if you're gonna be in computer science, you gotta write code. If you don't like writing code, get out of computer science. It's all writing code, that's what it is. Application security, the better you understand code, the better you can actually test application security. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, people don't understand, you only can do a certain level of application security from like pen testing type of stuff. The best reference I can give on that is the OWASP Open Web Application Security Project. Right? They have the Application Security Verification Standard, and their first level—that's the only level that you can meet by pen testing. Everything that, else pen is, testing is code penetration code. testing. Yeah. for, those for the external penetration testing. Yeah. So everything else is external code review and all that type of stuff. Right? You can't. You can't do it. Sorry, inter. You can't do it with the traditional ways of pen testing, right? And that's the problem of application security. Mm -hmm. And that's why we continue to see every application have vulnerabilities. And that's Mm -hmm. why as we get toward the end, I'll talk more about the concepts than you know, Paul, because I've told you about it. We have to have a different way. Everything Mm -hmm. we've done has failed. If anybody Mm -hmm. thinks we've been successful, please contact me and let me know how we've been successful. Mm -hmm. We spent more than 100 billion in cybersecurity products in 2019. How are we successful? Anyway, we don't want to spend too much time in application security. Huge field, though. But Mm -hmm. those listening, you got to like the code. If you don't mm-hmm. like the code, don't get into the application security. So mm-hmm. it's just not going to be any fun for you. Data loss prevention. Yeah, all our, we got too much data, right? Data is everywhere. We wanted big data. It's here. We can't protect it. And that's the biggest thing. So you got to put in multi-factor authentication. You got to put in encryption. We're dealing that now with clients where we're trying to protect the data countries. We're trying mm-hmm. to secure entire countries in Africa and all those types of things. And it's a huge challenge because everybody wants everything and they want it as soon as they click. And so it's connected device data it's data not data just data one data. device it's your watch it's, it's your it's your mobile it's phone
0: everywhere. it's your computer it's your your, your pad and probably your sunglasses I know actually there's you know obviously sunglasses now that're connected and obviously Google Glass was a project in that regard so so what do you do you think of that when you talk about data loss pre- prevention is that um, what if you were to draw a picture of how all these components uh, data loss prevention application security fit, fit together what does it look
1: like The front application is the front end to the data. Mm -hmm. So when you write the applications, they got to protect the back end data. That's Mm -hmm. the way we attack the back end data is we break through the front application. Mm -hmm. So that's why application security is so important because it gives access to the data. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've discovered that if it's in the public, Yahoo had the one billion record breach, all these other breaches, the OPM hack, all that type of stuff, you can't trust anything in the public if it's mm-hmm. there you got to have strongest encryption possible and multi-factor authentication set up for it and one of them out of band because of the sim card cloning attack you just got to be smart about things and what i tell people is and they kind of are surprised when i tell them i don't bank on my phone never never bank on my phone the phone is one of the worst entities we have because it's always on, it's always available twenty four seven, and there's always we found the entire exploit factory for the iPhone. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks the iPhone's so protected, and stuff like that. It doesn't matter what the phone is. There's people out there that's going to find ways to breach things with all these different types of attacks. On so top of which, a- uh,
0: it's like home networks and it's like home networks and phones. People call them things like Paul's phone or Paul's yeah. address. Yeah, well, by default, iPhone
1: does that. iPhone automatically names it you and your phone. Right, yeah, I know. Right. So the thing is what I do is all my bank accounts multi-factor authentication, I have alerts. Any greater transaction a certain amount, I get two things. I get a text message and I get an email. That way mm-hmm. there's two bands. So if they get my SIM card, I still get the email. So mm-hmm. that's the only way you can do these types of things in the modern day. And remember it's all related to when we started with the internet warships and we put them on the damn, you know, the Navy warship on the internet. Mm-hmm. We didn't put the missile systems and the communication systems on the same network segment. So why is everybody putting their really secure private data on a public
0: network? It mm-hmm.
1: makes no sense today, but people so, do
0: it. So they there's know. obviously, it seems like, and we all know this, there's kind of an unending number of roles. Well, if you're getting into the field for the first time, where, where do you start out? I mean, you've just talked about very casually for you, but for most people, for many people, obviously, including Foundation. myself, you're you talking about spe- yeah. Fast fast forward. Yeah so where, where, where's the foundation Is the foundation?
1: And you, know, you know this Paul because we've had this discussion many times yep. what do I see that I see when I built and trained Navy teams for years and years and years I see a lack of understanding of the foundations right. and it drives me crazy that I'll get in I'll get these people 10-12 certifications I don't care what they have if they don't have a strong foundation it's like if you build a house with a weak foundation it'll fall eventually especially mm-hmm. I live in California you know we have some uh, seismic activity every now and then if you don't have a good foundation your house could fall and that's right. what I see missing is the foundation. Foundation The foundation is TCPIP. Mm -hmm. Think of it the way you learn to read. The best analogy I can do is the way you learn to read.
0: Mm -hmm. You don't
1: go grab War and Peace and start reading it. Right. You learn an alphabet. Once right. you learn an alphabet, you put letters together to form words. Mm-hmm. Then you start learning small words, and then mm-hmm. you take the words and put them together to form c spot run" small mm-hmm. sentences, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Spot runs fast. Those mm-hmm. types of things, and then you read from there. So how you start in cybersecurity? Start with the alphabet of the cybersecurity, which is TCP/IP.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You learn TCP/IP. You learn it as well as you know the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, start looking at Unix and Linux because the majority of tools, all that type of stuff, Unix and Linux, and scripting is all used there in most cases. I mean it's just a reality, mm-hmm. right? And if somebody only knows Windows, the Unix Linux person is going to be ahead of them, mm-hmm. Right. So those are two things. And the third thing is virtualization. So you learn how to build your own environment so you can practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, the online ranges are nice and the CTF to capture the flag competitions. But what I'm seeing, and I've been talking about this more and more, and I did it at the colloquium in New Orleans a couple of years ago on the keynote. And what I'm seeing is we're doing a disservice. The art of taking a router and switch and handing it to somebody and saying, plug it in and connect it and make it work is lo- we're losing that art. Mm-hmm. So... We've got to be careful because simulation, CTF, all this stuff is good. But like I told everybody in the audience, and some of them didn't like that statement, but to me as an industry professional that needs teams and needs people trained, mm-hmm. if they can't set up their own environment, their virtual environment, their machines, their tools and stuff like that, they're useless to me in industry. So kind of, yeah, so the yeah. idea
0: like, for example, of cloud, obviously the, the cloud, which is so easy to use on some level and so hard depending on which – components you use can is is really not um, a solution since if you don't understand the fundamentals of what's going on because I assume you can just do as much damage maybe to more give so. you an
1: example to mm-hmm. give you an example this guy he had finished his master's so he went all the way up to his master's degree I needed somebody underground and I couldn't get there so I talked to the guy had a lot of good conversations a lot of good answers, sounded like he had a really good idea, stuff like that. Sent him in country, and he was to lead a team. A couple of guys that I had there that I had trained in the past, he didn't know how to set up and build his environment. They right. had to help him build his tools and stuff like that. And you know, I'm paying him more because he's supposed to be the team leader. Right. So I get him on the phone. I'm talking to him. And I says, well, what's going on? He says, hey, I've done test out simulations. I've done CTFs. I've done all this type of stuff, but I've never built my own environment. Right. I was shocked. Right. All the way up to a master's degree had never built his own environment, and that's right. why I wrote the book years ago. First edition, then the second edition, two thousand sixteen. I'm building a virtual pen testing range because mm-hmm. that's where it's at. If you can't build, at least we got the beauty of virtualization. Right. The days are gone when you got to carry all this equipment with you. We used right. to have three machines take twelve hours to set up a class. Right. Now you can do it in two hours because one machine can be all your virtual machines, all right, stuff like that. But it's a lost art, so that's still an important feature for me, right. especially. And anybody listening, yeah, we we hire in the future. And Paul and I've already talked about we're going to have academy to start training people. Mm-hmm. But we want to build people. I travel to. Well, you have a project hours. right now.
0: You have a project yeah. in uh, the West African countries. Um, multiple, that West is African countries multiple West African countries yeah. where yeah. you are Those looking other to ones source stand people, people in line with who have Saudi these skills. Yep, yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I need people because. I'm tired of traveling 200 to 300,000 miles a year. Post-pre-COVID, I was traveling 200 to 300,000 miles a year. Yeah. Yep. Well, one of the things, it just sort of reminds me,
0: in the early 90s, we were involved in, I was involved in a company that did uh, voice on, uh, uh, it was called Box. It was um, interactive voice response systems, which were used for prepaid, pe- credit card, uh, prepaid debit cards and prepaid phone cards and things like that. And literally, we bought one of our PC switches into a telco where we were going to put the switch and and the PC builder didn't realize, I think it was DC and we had running on AC and literally what was great about it is the engineer that I walked physically into the telco with literally was taking apart and rewiring the computer, which was to me, incredibly impressive. It wasn't like, Hey, it plugs in. I don't, it doesn't work. I need to get help. It was I'm an engineer and I understand how these things work. I'm not an engineer personally, but you, know, you really understand the value of understanding the fundamentals because you can have a most incredible system if you can't plug it in, if you can't figure out what made it work, you're, you're really nowhere. So you know, obviously, um, you know, just I was looking online earlier today, and just looking at salaries and compensation for people in the field, and I was thinking, wow, this is a great field to be in. Just look at the numbers. Check out um, the Bureau of um, uh, Labor Statistics. The the numbers are between 2016 and 2026. So we we'll go back a few years and go forward a few more. The average salary was uh, 99,000. However, if you look today in the New York City area 130 thousand dollars if you look in um and that's an average with a range of somewhere in the yep. 74 to 1 300 range okay. and, and you're talking you and i talked earlier today this canada it's 43 canadian dollars an hour if you look elsewhere in australia et cetera et cetera and the numbers of jobs are growing at astronomical. um their numbers they're just huge so these and you were talking about people that you need that can range from what 20 to 160 dollars an hour right correct based um, on their
1: qualifications so qualifications. i've created multiple qualification assessment types of things mm-hmm. through partners and everything and we've talked about it in the past and all yeah, this we'll, we'll make some of those available things. i think what we should do yeah. is start making some of those available yeah. on, on yeah. starweaver with what yeah. i've created all the stuff we've talked about the uh siren range all that other type of stuff things mm-hmm. like that yeah yep. and i have the complete building a cyber warrior that you have available on Wave If you remember, that's the whole concept when I built the Navy team. And when I built the Navy team, I had sailors with two years, unaccompanied sailor coming into Europe. I only had them for two years. Mm -hmm. We had to build a training program. So we Mm -hmm. built a strategy and training plan. And in six months, they became mentors to others. Mm -hmm. And that was from 99 to 2005. Yep. I've also used that now to build the first commercial security operations center in the country of Oman, build the first cert in the country of Oman. So the strategy and training plan works because the key is for everybody listening, certifications are nice. They'll get you the interview, but you need to be able to answer questions in that interview. Right. So if you only study up and get the certifications because I teach CEH and you know a lot of other types of certifications mm-hmm. I've written several of them as well but if you only study up and get the certification, you're not going to survive an interview because this is perishable. Everybody laughs, but it's true. I spend every day in this, and that's you got to enjoy it and love to do it. If you don't, I tell my nephew, he stayed with me from 18 to 26, and now he went into construction. He's doing very good in construction because he got burned out on cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. But I told him a long time ago, if you get burned out, then don't do it. Right. you got to enjoy it. If you don't you enjoy, have to you love what you do. You have
0: to cause love it. Because the, the money
1: you get old. And that's why I've done it as long as I've done it. I still love what I do. Yeah. I'm just trying to now, and we've talked about this many times, Paul. I'm just trying now to get everything online and share all that with everybody to get it out of my head. Because yep. it's been in my head and despair at places all over the place. Yep. But I just want to get it. And duplicate the model and let everybody train and build their skills. Because we need people with what I call job skill specific skills. And the problem we have. And this is where we, in uh, my one of my companies, Cyber 2 Labs, we build custom training to the job skill. Because mm-hmm. the problem we have, certifications leave gaps. They're yeah. great, don't get me wrong. And we use certifications to help give us an assessment of where you're at when you mm-hmm. come and work for us. Mm-hmm. But it's like it only gets you part of the way there. So yeah. the best thing I can say, and then we'll move on to talk more some stuff, <laughs> is one of my best guys I ever had in the Navy, when he came to me straight out of boot camp, he knew nothing about computers. He didn't Mm -hmm. even know what Unix was.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Within six months, he became my go-to guy in Unix. And a lot of yeah. people say, well, why did you still accept him? Because he could have went communications, which is mm-hmm. what he was trained on, because you were mm-hmm. in communications or IT. I said, because he had the initiative. I right. saw in him the initiative. To me, that, that's the most important thing. If you have the initiative, you have the yeah. passion, that trumps any certification out there. That yeah. shows me I can teach you specific job skills. I can teach you and customize the training like we're going to do through the academy. We're going to give you job skills to succeed. Then we're yeah. going to also give you where you... You can get certifications, but we're going to give you more job skill-specific type training. And yeah. it's kind of mapped to like the NICE framework. And I always laugh and say, I think NICE stole it from me. Right. I was talking about doing that in 99, it's and funny. it's the same thing. And I talked about it for many times with the lots of people, and I think, yeah, I think they took my idea. And that's my always my problem, right? You have all these great ideas, and that's why we're all still here working because we never put them into action and say, hmm, Mark Cuban come up with a good idea. It wasn't that hard of an idea. Why the hell didn't I think about that in 99 when I was playing on the ship? Right.
0: Now, it's funny you should say that because years ago, um, about 12 years ago, we started writing uh, so-called competency frameworks for this knowledge, skills and behaviors that people need needed in roles for some Australian institutions started to do that you know they couldn't believe that someone would sit down and actually write these so we've written hundreds of them and and uh we're planning uh the the next rollout of our platform is in january late late this this month and we're going to formally announce it in early january and it's going to have those and one of the things that we're going to i want to we'll talk separately about this is putting in the the job questions so there's a company that provides a bunch of sort of for tech for for in uh, python and, and sql uh, what uh, Facebook asks, what does um, uh, uh, what does what does Google ask, what does Amazon ask as interview questions, both in terms of logic questions as well as technical questions, and it's remarkable that if you, it, it's kind of like it, this is a version of training. You know, a test is, yeah. is training. Getting the answer and working through the problem is training, is education. And if you put it, focused it on to to a career base, a job base, a specific role base, you really do learn an enormous amount and you learn how to both get a job as well as solve a problem. And as you know, that's what it's all about for most employers is helping people solve problems. You wrote a point about this, about grit. There's a book by Angela Duckworth, um, uh, which I highly recommend to everyone, called Grit. It's all about that it's about persistence you don't need to be the smartest person on the, on the planet my view and i think kevin you and i have talked about this as well we're all in a, there's a normal curve out there and there are people who have genius of the einstein type and there's people who have biological and other challenges that make it in, very difficult if not impossible for them to move towards the normal area and within this normal area which is pretty broad it's 96 plus percent if you look at confidence intervals of the people out there us included it's about hard work and putting yourself in the right environment, and having the right habits that put you into that mode of being an ex, you know, being excelling. So yeah, everything you're saying is, is totally in line. So talk about, you know, so yeah, obviously, you know, we bring someone in at a foundational level, you bring someone in at a foundational level, and now you want them to be that, that go-to guy. Now you want him to be able to laterally move and vertically move. What are you thinking, what are you coaching him or her on When that happens, are you coaching them on um, uh, what what parts of cybersecurity universe? Is it more business issues, like understanding the business problem, the so-called business problem, it's government or education, whatever the sector is, but is it the business problem or is it the tools and techniques or is it a combination? Well, it's mainly the process. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's all the process. So it's so funny because I had to leave and uh, I had a contract going in the Middle East and my great friend and business partner, colleague Wayne Burke, who he and I formed Cyber2Lab together, he... uh, because it was like I had to leave because I was going back for Christmas. It's like right. this time of the year and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah," he says, "I'm not going to do anything for Christmas, so I'll go in for you." So he went in to lead the team. So I left before he got there, and he came in and he went into the war room, which is kind of where we have the whole team at when we're doing our training or uh, assessments and stuff like that. And he goes in, and one of the girls is there that's on the team, and she's working and stuff like that. And he looks, at us and says, "What are you doing?" She goes, "I'm following the steps. I'm following the process." And he laughed, and he sent me a message. He says, wow, I can tell they're trained by you because all they talk is process. And that's the yeah. key. It's process. It's a process-centric approach, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing, just to mention about the skills, work in a team. So every time, and I love the universities. It used to be mandatory in some of the university classes, but they kind of went away from it. But I try mm-hmm. to do as much as possible, teamwork and team projects. Because mm-hmm. you can't work on this by yourself. It's too big. I mean, yeah, you can have people do that. But I had one guy, he was probably one of the most uh, – great best guy I've ever seen they like breaking into systems and stuff like that mm-hmm. but he couldn't work with a team mm-hmm. so I would never bring him on projects and you know John was his name one time I asked him Kevin why won't you take me on projects I said you can't work with a team I said right. you don't lift anybody up right. and I the best analogy I use and it's funny because I used to like basketball and all that type of stuff and the goal is always to, as a basketball player, lift the the rest of your team up, right? Mm -hmm. That's why assists are such a big thing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's the same here. The team members that help lift up your team that's the ones you groom to learn about the business side and stuff like that. So the way we work it is the ones who continue to add value outside of whatever we're providing them, because that's the reality. Mm-hmm. If you only do what's required, you're not going to move up. You're not. You got to go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. That's why it's great with the Star Weaver platform. We have the other courses, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we have a lot so- less. A yeah, the siren, labs, siren guess, platform uh, has the capability days. to. Yeah, the siren platform has the capability to assess, and we can see what they've done, how well they've done, stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's how you identify people and move them up. So when I train and I tell managers, I tell them the same thing, you know giving Africa, for example, they said, well, they don't like online training. I said, well, I understand that, but we'll give them online capability. And if they use it, we identify the people who use it. When those special conferences come up, special training come up, that's who you reward. You reward the people who go above and beyond the lifted team. And that's the whole goal of the whole concept, Mm -hmm. right? So the example I'll give you is I I was given from ministry of manpower in Oman several years ago. Mm -hmm. I was given 10 people. Straight out of university. So they had a bachelor's degree, just finished it, and whatever they called it, I, 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 information science, something, something like IT-related. Right. And mostly theory-based. And they gave it to me and says, train them to be SOC analysts and see if you can get them jobs. And four months, I trained all 10, uh-huh. and six of them went into the SOC analysts and became SOC captains. Mm-hmm. Two of them still went in sock analysts. So six out of eight made sock captains. Two wow. are also sock analysts. But the other two were so good, I put them on my team. And for 18 months, I built and trained them, and it was perfect. For 18 months, we got 10 to 15 assessments a year, government and everything else. I would fly in, meet with the government agencies, stuff like that. I would fly out. They would run the process. They'd do everything. I'd come in a week or so before the end, would wrap up, would do virtual calls so I could run multiple teams at the same time, which is Mm -hmm. my goal all the time. And then when I would come in, we'd wrap it up, and it was great for 18 months. But after that 18 months, because we built their skills so well the second largest company in the country, saw Mm -hmm. them, offered them amazing packages for their family, and I told them, I said, look, my job is to lift you in your skills. I said, I have no problem with when the second largest company in the country responsible for 35% GDP of the country comes in and offers you a package. I can't match that. Go with what works for your family. And that's what I told them. And that's my job is to lift their skills. If they leave and go elsewhere, I'm okay with that. That's my job to do that. right? Right. And they did. And now since then, I haven't really done any work in Oman because I just don't have time to go over there and I don't have anybody I've trained and built there locally. But that's the concept. You lift up their skills, and if they leave you, you know that's the reality, and that's fine because the Navy had that problem too. Yeah. They met with me, and they're like – I think I was a chief or a senior chief. And they're like, chief or senior chief. They're like, what are you doing? You're giving these people all well, these skills. They're going to leave the Navy. I said, right. look, it's my job to run the network operations security center the best I can. It's right. your job to keep them in the Navy. I right. mean I'll do what I can, but you have to explain to them the benefits of staying in the Navy. And the majority – I'd probably say 80% stayed in the Navy. Yeah. One of them think, went on and did uh, five years as the White House Communications and the tech lead for that. And mm-hmm. now he's uh, retiring pretty soon and going to join my team. So, that's yeah. Great. Well, you
0: that's know. just it's kind of an interesting point because, you know, many employers and, and, frankly, many individuals entering an environment have entered an environment and they say, look, there's no real culture here of building me up. And my perspective is get out. Because you're in the wrong place. If you're not in a place that's willing to lose you, then they're not able to retain you. And the way we function in our organization is really, and I think everyone who's been on our team as a result is is really excited about it, is we want to give people the capacity and the, uh, the autonomy to fail and then to fix that quickly. But to to put responsibilities on top of people and then collaborate. Say, I, I say this every morning when we have our team standups. It's let's let's communicate, over communicate, over communicate. You know, message yeah. each other. Get every, and especially now in this world of COVID, where we're all working remotely or something like that. Um, so it's 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 um, what and what Kevin, you're describing is exactly what obviously you know. We've been doing this for years in terms of the hands on, the case driven, the practical, and then the team training. Um, I think that's, um, you're going to see that everyone, when you come to the platform, especially as I said, you know, next week we're doing a big release, it'll get formally um, pushed out in January. When you come back to the platform, if you're not engaged, then we are doing something wrong. If you are not project driven, then we're doing something wrong. If Kevin, who's doing these, uh, check out on our website, you'll see the Star Labs, Uh, they're launching in January, we've got about a dozen of them already, Kevin's doing several. These are going to be both, Yes, sure they're going to be recorded, but you want to participate. You want to get active because what we're going to be doing is screen sharing. Kevin's going to be showing something briefly and then he's going to give an assignment and then he's going to have various people show where they are. It's not to, uh, to make someone feel bad. It's to help you in the challenge because the challenge you have, I always say this to people they don't believe it in training, the problem you're running across is exactly the person next to you is running across. They may run across it in a different way, but for sure, watching someone else's challenge is the best way of solving your own. So this hands-on collaborative learning is what Kevin's been talking about is the way to go. And it's the way to build foundational skills. So, you know, I think we've covered a lot, Kevin, in a short period of time. I've really, you know, as always enjoy talking to you and I encourage everyone to both subscribe to our YouTube channel because you know, there's a lot of content coming out there. I encourage you to get to all the social media sites and you'll see those in the links below. And we repost that get on our YouTube channel, subscribe, I encourage you to get to our website, StarWeaver.com. You'll see there's hundreds of hours per week of fresh, streaming, free courses. Yes, you can subscribe and get access to people like Kevin with this kind of discussion right here, and also the hands-on exercises and labs. But you get streaming education for free, so it's it's a no-brainer. And uh, I know Kevin, you might you want to say anything else. Uh, you know, I'm happy to, happy to hear what was your great insights. but uh. Yeah,
1: a couple of two things. I mean, uh, the main thing is, and remember, the, um, people don't realize this, but if you look at the research, PowerPoint slides, 5% retention rate for the people who view it. Hands-on, 50%. Yep. Training others and helping others or teaching it, 90% and yep. that's why it's so important that you do it across the board right the different yep. things and just a couple of the quick things to add and it's Please. kind of frustrating for me 25 years of after doing the offense i see i started doing offense and the reason i do defense is because if you look at the breaches 65 to 90% of the breaches over the last 12 years are basics So Mm -hmm. if you do the fundamentals of defense, you prevent that, and Mm -hmm. then, as you know, Paul, my new book that just published, The Defense and Deception, it's all about the fact that we failed, and since we failed, we need a better way. And the better way is putting in decoys or triggers all around your network. So and we're going to put a link everybody. to that. We're going to put a link to your Amazon
0: book on this um, this recording. So everyone will come back to this, come back to our channel. We'll make sure we got. To, and I'll actually, Kevin, I want you to do um, later today. We'll just do a little. I'd like you to do like a two minute promo on your book, and then we'll put that as a, a YouTube recording out there because I think it's. You know, this is great stuff, guys. This is not. This is not someone who's kind of just moseyed into the cybersecurity field because it is high-paying yes it is it's because Kevin as you've heard has been passionate about this since uh, before the internet was a commercial thing so you know you gotta love what you do you gotta be good at what you do and you gotta get good advice from people like Kevin who can um, who can steer you on your course so um, so we're definitely gonna do a little recording maybe later today just about the book because I think that's um, that's just what people need to know definitely subscribe. As I said, everyone, uh, please participate. And uh, thanks for attending and come back to uh, to see us next time. Thanks again, Kevin. Appreciate it. No, you're man. welcome. Thanks okay. a lot for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts. Also, visit us at starweaver.com where you can get much more information about what we do and how we can help you in your career. See you again next time.